Welcome to the Sunset Community Church Podcast. You're listening to sermon audio from our Sunday morning services. For more information about Sunset Community Church, visit us online at sunsetcommunity.church. Thank you, Moses and Erica, for being with us. We're so grateful for you and for the gifts that you bring. Well, this is, uh, man, this has been such a sweet weekend already. Many of you were with us yesterday uh, for uh, this seminar that J.T. Thomas uh, led us with. J.T. uh, flew in, uh, uh, was it Friday night? Was that Friday? Yeah, it feels like three days ago already. Um, and he, JT is from uh, St. Louis, Missouri, or in, living in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, specifically Ferguson, Missouri, where um, he uh, and his um, wife live with their, with their daughter. They run an organization uh, that serves the church called Civil Righteousness. And yesterday he just walked us through um, Scripture as we looked at who Jesus is as it relates to justice and, and what righteousness looks like. And uh, so many of us were stirred yesterday to, to um, I think, to love and good deeds. You know, and that's what we're, we're called to be as, as a church. And so this morning, uh, uh, we asked JT to, to stick around for a little bit longer and to, to share God's word with us this morning. And so I would just ask that you would welcome him as he comes up to share the word. And while he gets set up, I'm going to go ahead and just pray for him. So, Father, we just thank you for this time and this space that we uh, set aside every week to gather as your church, this beautiful, diverse family. And, Lord, as we uh, have worshipped you through song, as we've reflected on your goodness through prayer, um, would you prepare our hearts this morning to receive um, what you have laid on JT's heart to to share with us? Lord God, would he be uh, an instrument uh, that would point to your goodness and to your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord, everyone. I said praise the Lord, everyone. Come on, can we give God a hand clap of praise? Hallelujah. Truly an honor uh, to be here with you this morning. Had a great time yesterday with those who were able to come out and uh, just so thankful uh, that there's family in every place. How many of you know uh, we can go across the world, we can worship here, but, but the truth is there's no place that we can go apart from the presence of God. And he has a global family, and so I so loved and appreciated that worship uh, in, in the sound of many languages because there's a global family of affection that is worshiping uh, and has been worshiping uh, in their own expression and language and they're joining on earth with a sound that is going forth in heaven. In fact, the Apostle John saw the heavens open and he was taken up in the spirit into the throne room of God and he saw, he says, a multitude which could not be numbered. And it says, and they were singing, they were worshiping in, in every tribe. He, he saw every tribe and every tongue and every nation. So if that was a little uncomfortable for you, then you don't want to go to heaven. <laughs> because I'm telling you right now, every culture, every cultural expression and sound is presenting an offering before the Lord. And we just now we begin to touch that realm of the eternal and the supernatural that 
was a taste of heaven on earth. And so that's our inheritance. That is our glory. That is actually what we were created for. And I'm just so thankful to be a part of the family of God. Last night, I was, uh, <clears throat> I was well, tired. <laughs> but I was laying there, you know, in high school and even in college. I was, the, I was that guy that, uh, you know, we get an assignment six weeks in advance, term paper, essay, it doesn't matter. And even if I wanted to do the paper six weeks in advance, it just wasn't happening. Because I could do it, I would write it, and then the night before, I'd come up with my best idea. Anybody like that? <laughs> Were you that kid in class? I was that kid in class that the test starts and immediately everybody's writing. And I'm sitting here like, what are they writing? <laughs> I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm just, I don't even know where to start. And then I'm getting frustrated, and I get all the stress and the pressure, and the teacher says, okay, you have 10 minutes left. I'm like, oh, no, I have no idea what the answer is. And then under the pressure, bam, it comes. I don't know why God wired me that way. It's just, I'm like, thank you, but I don't like it. <laughs> Unfortunately, or fortunately, whatever the case, that has continued into my pastoral ministry, my evangelistic ministry, the word of the Lord tends to come to me at the last minute. So I had a good idea, pretty strong direction about what to say and where to go today. And last night, all of a sudden, this passage came to me. Isaiah 60. You'll see it on the screen. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord, somebody say, but the Lord, but the Lord. rises upon you. You don't have to say it, but you can if you want to. And his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light. That nations means ethnos. The, the ethnicities, the people groups of the world will come to your light. And kings to the brightness of your dawn. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. So the word of the Lord came to me last night. I heard Isaiah 63. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. This is good news for Israel. This is God's word to a specific people in the context of this passage. It's a prophetic promise to the nation of Israel. The gospel was first for the Jew, then the Gentile. And so that has not changed, but what did change is what Paul says in Ephesians 3, and he calls the mystery that was hidden throughout the ages, that he had been given grace to make known. Jew 
Paul, a Jewish man, a Jewish apostle, and the gospel is first for the Jews. So Paul is a Jew called to a people who do not look like him. So if you were not born Jewish, you are a Gentile, and you're of all the nations. You're singing, uh, I, wish I, knew all the, I wish I knew the words to that song. You're singing in Swahili you're, because that's your, your ethnicity, that's where, your culture, that's where you come from. You're a Gentile. But, but Paul, not being a Gentile, said, I am a bond slave on behalf of Christ for the Gentiles. This is not my message, but it's God's message. Hallelujah. We need the word of the Lord. Oftentimes, if God calls you to something, he's not going to call you to what you know. He's not going to call you to what you're comfortable with. He's not going to call you to what you exactly have all the ins and outs and know, know, know what to do with. He's going to call you into a place where you have to depend on him. Oftentimes I hear people say, well, how can God use me to speak or to serve a, a community that doesn't look like me? I'm not from the hood. How could God call me there? Oh, that he's calling you there probably because you're not from there. So Paul says, this is the mystery. That we are now heirs and co-heirs with Israel through Christ. The mystery of the gospel is that we were born of Adam, born of, of a woman in our earthly body with our own set of cultures, our own traditions, our own histories, our own, our own inheritance, our own heritage rather, our own DNA, and we were separated and alienated from one another. We were foreigners in a strange land, strangers to one another. But Christ came to create a new humanity through himself and take that which was once promised first to the Jew and that which was unique to the Gentile and say, you are heirs together with one another, co-heirs in the covenantal promises. And now when we read this passage, it's not just to Israel, but it's also to me and you. So this promise that nations will come to your light is not just that nations will come to Jerusalem's light, but nations will come to the family of God, the, the, whole, the, the whole person, the new man, the Jew and the Gentile. They together will be a light in the midst of thick darkness. Are you with me this morning? This is the word of the Lord. But what we see here with our eyes, when we look at the news reports, it may seem as though there's only famine and darkness in the land. How many of you have watched the news or how many of you have decided to stop watching the news? <laughs> Hallelujah. Give God a hand clap of praise. You see, when we look at the news and we, we look at what's around us, we can quickly lose heart because all we see is thick darkness. On Monday of this past week, a gunman entered a local high school in my town, in St. Louis, and he opened fire. The school had excellent security. Their protocols were tight. All the doors were locked, but somehow the, 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 the gunman knew some secret way into the school and still got in. One teacher was killed and one student was killed. Several others 
were injured before the police took him out. But they took him out within four minutes. But in addition to the firearms on his person, they found over 600 rounds of ammunition. 600. Last night, a tragedy occurred in Seoul, Korea. 151 people were killed and 82 were injured through a stampede for a Halloween celebration in downtown Seoul. Initial reports say that a crowd surge happened when it was reported that a certain unnamed but well-known celebrity had arrived at a club. So in other words, a celebrity arrives at a club, there's 100,000 people on the street, word spreads that this celebrity is at that club, and all of a sudden the passions of humanity take over. We've gotta get close. The crowd presses, people fall, and 151 people are trampled underfoot. Just last night, similar situation happened at a rap concert in Houston last year. Crowd of 50,000 people wanted to be closer to the stage as this rapper named Travis Scott came out. People fell, 300 people were trampled and injured, 10 of those died. What is it inside of us that causes us the desire to get so close to something higher than ourselves? See, we were made for God. We were made for that heavenly realm. We were made to, to, to see what John saw. We were made to gaze upon the beauty of Jesus. Only you, Jesus, only you. We were made to be caught up, to be overwhelmed with the beauty of God, with the glory of heaven. That's what you and I, that's home, that's where we're from. And in the darkness of this world, we still have that longing, even if you don't know Jesus. So we do our best to get close to divinity, to get close to something higher than ourselves, something greater, something superior. So if we see a person with talent, if we see an athlete that, that can throw the ball and run faster and leap higher than a thousand men, then all of a sudden that's like a god on the earth. That's a physical, tangible expression of some form of glory. We'll do whatever we can to get near it. If, if we hear somebody with an angelic voice, with, a, with, a, with an almost superhuman talent, then we'll pay lots of money to see them. And whole industries and systems are built to make them feel like a god and put them on the magazine and become the standard for what all the rest of us lesser beings should be. In other words, we create idols. And idolatry causes the hearts of men and women and humanity to become hardened and calloused. The passions of men, the idolatry, leads to darkness. Weeks of bad news when we're wired and designed for good news. It can seem overwhelming. 
What do we do? This reminds me of a passage in Jeremiah 37. In fact, we're going to look at it together. It's also coming on the screen. Trouble has come to King Zedekiah, the king of Judah. And we see here in the text, and Zedekiah the king, Jehuqal, the son of Shelemiah, and Zephaniah, the son of Masai, the priest, to the prophet Jeremiah, saying, this is the king saying to Jeremiah, pray now to the Lord our God for us. Now Jeremiah was coming and going among the people, for they had not yet put him in prison. This is just, just a side note. Zedekiah, the king, is in trouble. Word on the street is that they're surrounded by armies, and he needs a word from God. There's darkness surrounding us, and I need a word. So he goes to the man of God in the land and says, pray for us. Pray for us right now. See if God will talk to you, because he's not talking to me. And so the prophet Jeremiah had been traveling in and out. He's, he's on flights. He's itinerating. He's dropping in and going back out. That's what he does. And the word of the Lord in verse 6 came to the prophet Jeremiah saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Thus you shall say to the king of Judah, who sent you to me to inquire of me, Behold, Pharaoh's army, which has come up to help you, will return to Egypt to their own land. In other words, you've had subcontractors. You've had another, another nation that's allied helping you fight, but they're going back home. And the Chaldeans shall come back and fight against this city and take it and burn it with fire. Thus says the Lord, do not deceive yourselves, saying, the Chaldeans will surely depart from us, for they will not depart. Now this is, hold on, this, this, you've got to understand. Let me keep reading. <laughs> For though you had defeated the whole army of the Chaldeans who, fought, who fight against you, and there remained only wounded men among them, they would rise up every man in his, every man in his tent and burn the city with fire. Hold on. The king wants to know if the Lord has anything to say. So he actually consulted before this with all the fortune tellers and soothsayers and, and wise leaders and everybody who considered themselves wise. And nobody wants to be the bearer of bad news, right? So guess what they all said when he asked? If he said, will we be successful against the Chaldeans? What do you think they said? Oh, hmm, let me see your hand, king. I see that this is the year of your favor. I see that blessing is coming. You will surely be, be victorious. They wanted to be in his favor. They wanted to be on his good side. But then the, war, the word of the Lord comes through Jeremiah, who happened to have family in the land of Benjamin, so he was planning to go back home after he, would, after he delivered the word of the Lord to the king. He was going to leave and go home because uh, apparently he had inherited some property in the land of Benjamin. But as he was leaving, this guy named uh, Arijah saw him leaving and accused him and seized him at the gate and said, now that you came and prophesied that our whole city is going to be burned by our enemy, you're leaving to go join them. And he says, I'm not defecting to the Chaldeans. I'm, I'm just, I'm going home. I got business to take care of. But they didn't believe him. He didn't believe him. And they threw him in prison. 
which is where we find ourselves at verse 16. When Jeremiah had come to the dungeon cells and remained there many days, King Zedekiah sent for him and received him. And the king questioned him secretly in his house and said, so at his house, he like secretly gets Jeremiah out of prison, brings him back in a few days after he'd been there a, a while. I don't know how much time had passed. And he says, Jeremiah, is there any word from the Lord? Jeremiah said, there is. Everybody say, there is. Then he said, you shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. This is, this is wild. The king is hoping, well, you know, a few weeks have passed. He's in the dungeon. Let's see if his circumstance will change the word of the Lord. Let's see if he'll come to his senses and tell me some good news. So, Jeremiah, um, is there any word from the Lord? He, the king is nervous. He's trembling. Is, it, is there any word from the Lord? There is. You'll be delivered to the king of Babylon. You see, the consequence or cost of being a faithful witness, of bearing a true word, could be imprisonment. It could be a plot against your life. This is a f familiar pattern throughout Scripture for all who are unswervingly and willingly bear the testimony of heaven and hold unswervingly to the dream of God. The word of the Lord is countercultural. Somebody say countercultural. The way of the Lord is counterintuitive. Somebody say counterintuitive. The work of the Lord is costly and uncomfortable. Somebody say uncomfortable. Often the word of the Lord in those days sounded like bad news, but it was actually the good news of God that there was even a prophet in the land. If a prophet showed up at your, king, at your, at your castle and you were a king, if a prophet showed up in the courts or the courtyards of your city, that actually meant that there was mercy for you. The very presence of a messenger and a bearer of the word of the Lord was a sign that there was mercy from God. Because that meant that God wanted you to know and be prepared for what was coming and possibly give you a way out. Today, as the Chaldeans are trampling a generation underfoot, as cities are grappling with this present darkness, I hear the culture asking a similar question. The life and times in which we live are demanding something that is more than a mere human answer. Something higher than human wisdom can speak to. Through the collective groaning of the nations and the news cycles, we're being presented with a question, and that question is, where is the God of Elijah? You know, Elijah, who was confronted by the false prophets of Baal, and they challenged him, and then he said, okay, that's fine. Let's see, uh, let's see who the real God is. You pray to yours, and let, 
I'll pray to mine and let the God who's the real God answer by fire. Right now, there's a generation that sees churches on every corner. There's a generation that sees conferences and, and, and social media and, and Instagram and, and all these cool people and cool things. And they still don't see the transformational power of, of the gospel. And they're saying, where is the God of, of Elijah? Where is the people of God? Is there any word from the Lord? Is there any word from the Lord? Is there any word from the Lord? Yes. So far, a natural and preternatural response has won the day. Natural. Natural means of human ability, of the world that we can touch and see. It's humanism, secularism, our intellect, how, how smart we are. But the preternatural is suspended somewhere between the mundane and the, and the tangible and the miraculous. It's, it's somewhere in between. The preternatural transcends the natural or the material order. It actually kind of energizes the natural or material order. It's kind of like, it's kind of like a um, this is a terrible example, but it's kind of like when you're sleepy, but you're trying to stay awake. So then you get some, uh, you get some, uh, what's it called? <laughs> Coffee. There we go. Red Bull. Red Bull. So now it's like, yeah, I'm trying to stay awake. Now I need something preternatural. <laughs> just to, just to fuel it a little bit more. But an even greater example is Interestingly enough, I, I know that Pastor Andrew's a, a sports fan, and um, Tom Brady. Anybody ever heard of Tom Brady? So he's been married to this lady named Giselle Bunchen, and you could Google this and watch it on YouTube, but there's interviews where Tom talks about how Giselle is a witch. And he talks about how, they said, what's the key to your success? And he, and uh, uh, some reporter brought it up and says, we heard your, your wife like is some kind of, she has different rituals she does. What's, what's your preparation for seasons? And he describes in detail. He's like, yeah, you know, everybody's laughing because it seems so, you know, it's just kind of hokey and kind of, but he's like, yeah, she's pretty accurate. She tells me at the beginning of a season what kind of season we're going to have, and then she tells me what I have to do to be successful. And he goes into detail about rituals, about potions, about different things that she formulas that she has given him to be successful on the football field. Now, if you believe that the natural realm is all there, there is, then you might laugh at that as like a cool, quirky quarterback story. But if you understand that there's a generation that is longing for a power outside of ourselves and that we were designed for communion with heaven, then you understand that there's a preternatural dimension at work within the darkness that we see in our world. And we cannot confront preternatural darkness by preternatural means. We have, to do, we have to turn to a power that is higher than the powers of this earth and the powers of hell, and that's supernatural. 
We need a superior power. Somebody say a superior. In the natural, we make idols out of ourselves, our ethnicities, our pain, our progress, our politics. We put a messianic hope in institutions, structures, social actions, reforms, legislation, education, public policy, grassroots movements that are powered by our human will, our human passion, our human emotion, and we make messiahs out of men and movements. In the preternatural, there's fruit that's being born from the occultic world, demonic allegiances and covenants to try to empower the natural movements of men and messiahs. And if the church does not answer the question, is there any word from the Lord with truth? If we do not operate and possess the word of the Lord for the times and the seasons and the context in which we live, then society will manufacture a word. They will seek a power that is outside of themselves. They will turn to the occult and begin to operate in chambers of demonically fueled preternatural hope. This ultimately leads to destruction. And the fruit of that destruction is a tree of unrighteousness which leads to deconstruction, a spirit of judgment, accusation, assumption, anger, violence in the heart, murder, depression, anxiety, physical exhaustion, spiritual exhaustion, turning away from the, from the Lord, and death in the streets. Now we're soon going to be entering another election year. And in the election seasons, we see an increase. We see an increase of a lot. In election years. As a nation, we've sown to the wind, and therefore we often reap the whirlwinds. The groanings of culture increase, and the winds pick up. The hot lava under the ground causes building pressure to explode in volcanic moments of social clashes. Where is the God of Elijah? Is there any word from the Lord? Is there any word from the Lord? There is. Kanye West, who's always controversial, called Ye now, has a choir called the Sunday Service Choir, and in 2019 they sang, You're the only power. Power for the world today. Talking about Jesus. You're the only power, power for the world today. <laughs> You're the only power. It's interesting that the Sunday service choir was touring all over the nation and doing these outside services in 2019. Little did we know how crippling and powerless the whole world would feel as sickness gripped the nations. We think COVID is the pandemic, but we were sick long before that with HBV, the human being virus. <laughs> Been wreaking havoc on humanity since the garden. As we reel from the wounding of historic violations of the Imago Dei, the image of God within man being violated, the spirit of the Antichrist has been waging war on every tribe and tongue in unique ways, seeking to rid the world 
of peace and shalom. But Genesis 2 begins to point us to the cause of some of this and point us into a direction for where and who we should be. In Genesis 2, the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day, for in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. This actually tells us that part of the the death problem in our culture is related to eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Daniel 12, it says of the last days, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro in the last days. In other words, people will get busy in the last days (laughs) doing a lot of stuff. Anybody busy these days? Many will run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. In other words, do you know we have more access to more information than any other generation that has ever lived. In 30 seconds, we can access more knowledge in a singular moment than any other generation could have accessed in a hundred or a thousand years. This is insane. Knowledge will increase in the last days, and this is not necessarily a good thing. This warning, warning is included as an indicator of the soon and coming return of Christ to our world. Matthew 24 says, And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures, everybody say, he who endures, endures. to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness. Somebody say a witness. To all the nations, and then the end will come. So there's this sign of of busyness, this sign of lawlessness increasing, this sign of, of, of darkness in the world, this sign of people's hearts growing cold, but there's a greater sign, and that sign is that this gospel will be preached. That means the word of the Lord will begin to run swiftly like never before. His return is not to be a fearful thing, but a joyous and a deeply desirable thing. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. However, there are things that we have to unsee. There's there's an eye adjustment that God wants to make, I believe, even this morning, in order for us to get into a place where we can Uh, faithfully steward the word of the Lord and be a faithful witness. There's a desensitization that happens when our primary intake of information and our primary formation is coming from man. In other words, what tree are you eating from? Is your primary processing of world events and processing of ideas concerning what's happening in our societies? Is it primarily coming from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Are you growing in understanding? Did you hear about uh, uh, police brutality and immediately start listening to all your favorite uh, pundits and and reading a thousand million books uh, that are written by people with a thousand different opinions? Is your primary intake coming from 
from CNN? Is your primary intake coming from MSNBC, NBC, Fox, BBC? Is that the primary place where you're getting news and information and then forming your opinions? Is it on Facebook and, and all the comment sections? Is it on Instagram? Is it on TikTok? Is it on Snapchat? We've got all these different windows to get information. Are you spending eight hours a day at the end of the week when you turn on your iPhone because real Christians don't have Androids? Do you... Uh, Sorry. Uh, does it tell you how many hours you spent? And in those hours, are you spending more hours on Facebook than the Bible app? Look, I'm not trying to be really, I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to say is the doctor said you are what you eat. Do you know the social media feed is called a feed? What is it feeding you? Where is your hope coming from? Where is your truth coming from? What are you eating? Because whatever you eat is going to determine your health. We get food we're either eating the opinions of man from the tree of the, knowledge and good, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or we're getting manna from the tree of life. Manna, that thing that comes from God every day. Your mercies are new every morning. The Israelites in the desert, in the wilderness with nothing, they woke up every morning with fresh manna. From the tree of life, the manna came to keep them alive. What comes from man can kill your soul. Are you with me this morning? Do I have a one witness in the house today? Can we just praise the Lord for half a second? What comes from man will cause us to die if it's our primary intake. But the prophet Ezekiel ate the scroll, ate the word of God, and it, it was like something in his belly. In a nation that says, is there any word from the Lord? We have to become the word of God to our generation. Psalm 115 says this. Why do the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. Why are they saying, where is God? Well, their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak, eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear, noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they can't feel, feet, but they cannot walk, nor can they under, utter a sound with their throats. And those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. Here's the hard part. If this is true, if idols have all the signs of being able to see, smell, walk, feel, touch, do all the stuff. But at the end, they're deaf and mute and they have no, no voice. If the church has all the signs, we've got the buildings, the lights, the conferences, the books, the t-shirts, the we've, we've got it all and we have the appearance of having the ability to walk and talk and do something. But at the end of the day, the culture is still saying, where 
is their God. It says those who make idols will be like them. That means we have to take a hard look and say, God, what idols have we embraced? Having a form of godliness, but devoid of the power of God. Now, look, I'm, I'm actually, believe it or not, a generally happy guy. <laughs> I like preaching. I like coming in places and preaching like messages that have everybody standing up and clapping and, and, and praising and doing all that kind of stuff. But I came here to Seattle because I feel like I have a word from the Lord. In a city that I'm learning where it feels like the voice of the Lord is pretty, the voice of the rest of the culture is loud and the voice of the Lord is like this. Am I wrong in that assessment? Is that right? Do you know that Seattle is screaming, where is the God of Elijah? That's what they're asking. They're saying, we don't, we don't want to come into this building if the God of Elijah is not there. They're saying, is there any word from the Lord? Is there any word from the Lord? I believe, sunset, that God wants to break our silence. I believe he wants to change your sound by changing your sight. He wants to answer the groans of Seattle and Renton and, and, and answer the groans of a generation so that a people will rise up in boldness and power and answer the challenge of our times. I believe in, in full faith and hope that you're sitting in these seats and that God sent me here because he says there is a word from the Lord in Renton, Washington. There is a people in, in, in Renton, Washington that will not be compromised, that will not be aligned with the darkness, and that will be the, the, the living word in this generation. I believe God wants to break the silence. So here's four things that I want to invite you into. One, look at the living word. Look at the living word. The word is a person. You become like what you look at. Isaiah 11 says this about the spirit of the Lord. About Jesus, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him in the spirit of wisdom and understanding. Everybody say wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and strength. Counsel and strength. The spirit of knowledge. Knowledge. Not knowledge from the tree of good and evil, but knowledge from the tree of life. And the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. It says that he will delight in the fear of the Lord and he will not judge by what he sees nor make a decision by what his ears hear. There is a supernatural grace that God wants to loose from the seven spirits of God. This is like seven spirits of the Lord that were all uh, uh, incarnated in Jesus. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel and strength, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I believe that God wants to anoint you, even today, I'm going to pray that God will release an anointing for supernatural wisdom, not natural wisdom, not preternatural wisdom, but supernatural wisdom. And I'll give you a story. I haven't, I've deliberately not told personal stories, although I have a lot. Everybody knows. I haven't told personal stories because I wanted to get the, the, the context, the text to you in front of you today. But here's one little story. I was invited about three years ago 
to speak at Harvard, MIT, and the Berklee School of Music in Boston, Massachusetts. Now, I'm a simple, believe it or not, I'm a simple dude, grew up in the deep south with a simple family, rural, rural North Carolina, rural poverty. Poverty is the same all over the world, just diff, differing measures. The spirit of poverty is the same all over the world, rather. But all that to say, I come from a simple place, a simple people. I am not the most learned among men. I've got a long way to go. I would love to, to finish some stuff that I've started. I'd love to get a doctorate. I'd love to do those things. I don't have them. And so when I got invited, when I got invited to speak at Harvard, MIT, in the Berkeley School of Music, I was scared to death. I'm like, I am going to be the dumbest guy within a 500-mile radius of, this, of, of New England. Like, why in the world did they invite me here? And I didn't know. They were going to do Q&A with some of their, you know, uh, master students and different things. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. They're going to ask me questions and using terms that I've never heard. <laughs> and the Lord says, do not be dismayed before them. Open your mouth and I will fill it. I'm like, yeah, that's right. God, deliver me from the fear of man. All right, I'm just going to be me. I'm going to be me. So I show up, present some stuff, and all of a sudden, I kid you not, all of a sudden, I'm sitting on the panel, first questions about the fire, and I, it was like I already knew what they were going to ask before they asked it. It was supernatural. Like, I felt, there are times when I'm preaching, a lot of times some preachers just say, I feel my help coming. I feel my help coming. <laughs> The pastor I grew up in, there was always a moment where you, you take a turn in the sermon. See, I've been talking to you the whole time, but in the, in the tradition that I grew up in, there's a moment where you stop talking and you start singing. Somebody say, make the turn, JT. <laughs> ah, yeah. And so there's that moment where you stop talking and you start singing, preaching. And at that moment, often the musicians will get up on the keys and start I won't have you. Oh, he's like, he's like, if you want me to, we can get up. <laughs> we won't do that because we'll go another 30 minutes if I, maybe even another hour. I don't know if, we, if, if I fully make the turn. But, but it's often when you make the turn that, you, that, that you'll hear preachers say, ah, I feel my help coming. You know, I feel like the helper, the Holy Spirit, the teacher, the counselor has come. And you can feel what God's anointing on the message in that moment. The same way that when I'm, sometimes when I'm preaching, I feel, boom, forget about whatever else I was going to say. The Holy Spirit wants this said. This is anointed. This is the helper. I felt that same anointing sitting on the panel, and it was like, whoa. And I knew what they were going to ask, and so the student asked the question, and I already had an answer. I, I kid you not, I've never experienced it. I probably have experienced it since then, but, but that was the first time, and I go, wow, a spirit of wisdom and understanding. This is not just words on a page. It is a, li a literal anointing from Jesus, and I believe that if you will ask, God wants to release divine grace for you to be a carrier of the word of the Lord. So that when somebody asks you that question, 
That existential question that caused them to deconstruct and leave the church. That, that somebody asks you, where is the God of Elijah? You'll say, there is a word from the Lord. And this is what the Lord says. This is it. How many of you believe that you could be a mouthpiece for Jesus? You could be the hands and feet of Jesus. Carriers of the word of the Lord. Let the word become flesh in you. We must walk in our identity as living epistles. We must live in the spirit and bear spiritual fruits of righteousness. We must pray for strength to see. And we must ascend the mountain of the Lord. These are a few points. We must ascend the mountain of the Lord. Let the word become flesh. Live in the spirit. Pray for strength and ascend the hill of the Lord. You've been listening to sermon audio from Sunset Community Church. Sunset Community Church is located in Renton, Washington. For more information, visit our website at sunsetcommunity.church.